Good morning, brothers and sisters, and welcome to Our Lady of Lords. Please stand. Within your will, O Lord, all things are established, and there is none that can resist your will. For you have made all things, the heaven and the earth, and all that is held within the circle of heaven. You are the Lord of all. Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My dear brothers and sisters, what a joy it is to gather this morning to celebrate the Lord's resurrection, uh, his power over sin and death, and the great hope we have that he is conquering and he will conquer all. And so it's with great confidence then that we entrust ourselves to his mercy, calling to mind our sins.
I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
a reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Let me now sing of my friend, my friend's song concerning his vineyard. My friend had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it, he built a watchtower and hewed out a wine press. Then he looked for the crop of grapes, but what it yielded was wild grapes. Now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done? Why, when I looked for the crop of grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Now I will let you know what I mean to do with my vineyard. Take away its hedge, give it to grazing, break through its wall, let it be trampled. Yes, I will make it a ruin. It shall not be pruned or hoed, but overgrown with thorns and briars. I will command the clouds not to send rain upon it. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are its cherished plant. He looked for judgment, but see, bloodshed, for justice, but hark, the outcry, the word of the Lord.
St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord.
Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants killed, seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir, come, let us kill him, and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death, and lease his vineyard to other tenants, who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. Again, it's a joy to be together. Oh, maybe I should do one or the other. Okay, again, it's a joy to be together. Uh, my name is Father Brady Wagner, a good friend of Father Bar Brian. And um, I, I, my full-time work is in the seminary, and so it's great actually to be out in the parish uh, to actually see some faces, or at least most of faces. <laughs> um, to begin our reflection on the scriptures today, I want to start with uh, a moment in John chapter 5, actually. Uh, this is a moment when Jesus goes up to Jerusalem for a feast a feast of the Jews. And while he's there, he comes across a man who has been a paralytic. He's been sick for 38 years. I mean, there's tons of people who are sick and lame and blind and uh, people who are desiring to be cured. And he chooses this one guy. He goes up to him and he says, hey, do you want to be healed? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but every time I try to go down to the waters when they're stirred up, uh, to be healed, someone actually beats me there and I can never get in. Uh, this kind of experience of 
being healed sacramentally through these waters being stirred up. And Jesus just looks at him and he says, Rise, take up your pat, uh, take up your mallet, or your pat, um, <laughs> your mat, excuse me, take up your pallet and your mat and, and walk and, and go. And he does. He's just miraculously healed with the word of Jesus. And as he's cruising around uh, through uh, the, the city, some, uh, some leaders of the people see him carrying something on the Sabbath day. <laughs> they say, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that. That's working. And he said, well, I'm just doing what the guy told me to do, the guy who healed me. Um, and they're like, who is that? And he's like, I don't know. Well, Jesus finds him later, and, and he kind of lets him know who he is and all that. And, and then, unfortunately, the guy goes and <laughs> rats him out to the leaders of the people. And, and so they go after Jesus. Now, what's interesting is what they say to him. You know, they go after him because... He's commanding people to do work on the Sabbath, or at least what they consider to be work. And you can have a little bit of sympathy for them because the reason why they went into exile was because they didn't observe the Sabbaths. Um, but they get a little excessive. And this is what Jesus says to, him, to them. My father is working still, and I am working. I, I think that's beautiful. This is one of the most fundamental tenets of faith that we can have. My Father is working still, and I am working. I can only do what I see the Father do. If the Father's at work, then I'm at work. That God is at work for me, now, immediately, in my life. Unfortunately, though, John tells us this is why the Jews persecuted Jesus, because he did this on the Sabbath. He's like, I can only do what I see the Father do. And I think that's a really consoling realization that we can have. That God is in, our, in, is in our corner all the time. Constantly at work for my good. Crafting every detail, every circumstance of my whole life for my good. Remember uh, Romans 8, 8 verse uh, 28. All things work for the good of those who love him. And St. Paul is not kidding. Everything is working for our good. Everything. And to trust in that. Because in this first reading today, we hear from the prophet Isaiah this beautiful song that uh, is sung for his friend, that the prophet is singing about the one whom he loves, his friend who is the Lord. My, friends, uh, my friend has a, had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it, he built a watchtower and hewed out a wine press. That this is a beautiful image of the mystery of God at work. He chooses Israel. And we know that, that the vineyard is Israel, as he later says. He chooses Israel. Plants them in this place. And is constantly at work so that she might grow to full, uh, full flourishing. And she might bear abundant fruit. Life! Life! That's what God desires. And he wants to give that to us. And he's doing everything, everything in order that that might happen. I mean, think about all the work that it takes to attend to a vineyard that it might bear fruit. And he had a certain expectation that there was going to be something beautiful, that all of his labor would actually affect something 
great. Then he looked for the crop of grapes. And you would expect, this is, after God's work, after his labor, that there would be something awesome. But what it yielded was wild grapes. It was as if all of his work came to nothing. It would have been just as good, him not doing anything at all, and it would have produced the same kind of yield. I mean, it's a, a tremendously tragic moment. What's happening? What's happening? They're not bearing the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of justice. They're not living as, as the Spirit of God lives. When I looked for the crop of grapes, why did it bring forth wild grapes? What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done? The Lord asked himself. And so then God delivers it up to its own sinfulness, to, let, to experience the consequence. Like, what's really happening? That, the, that the, the vine of Israel is sick. And not because of God withholding any grace or any blessing, but because somehow this vine does not have roots that can absorb or receive uh, the grace that God is trying to give. It's like their roots uh, are, are sick. Even though there's profound nutrients and a lot of water, everything that it needs, and it still won't bear fruit. So he ends up delivering it up to feel the pain of that. So that hopefully it might and then crack the heart and break it open in faith so that then they can finally receive and absorb, uh, allow the grace of God to, to work in their life. But it is a, a terrible moment. Because he looked for righteousness, justice, but what did he see? Bloodshed and outcry. Well, one great moment that we have in our time that we can work for righteousness and justice, that we can heal the bloodshed, is Proposition 115. Proposition 115 is on the ballot, and this is, a, this is a great moment for us to limit this bloodshed of abortion in our time. Now, it, please God, he banishes abortion from our land, but we do the best we can to at least limit the evil. And so this Proposition 115 is to limit abortion for no, no abortions past 22 weeks. And please God, let it be so. And to... And through this, there might be a deeper conversion in our land, in our place, and that the hearts of people can return back to the great gift of life. We know we're only one of seven states in the entire U.S. that doesn't have any restrictions on abortion. That's really sad. But to pray well and, and to really try to have a conversion in our culture, in our time, uh, to the good of life and that this bloodshed would end. Okay. To bear the fruit of righteousness. Now going back to John chapter 5, there's a second point here that's kind of interesting. And Jesus in saying, my father is working still and I am working, John tells us, this is why the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Why? Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also called God 
his father, making himself equal with God. Interesting. When we look at this, um, this gospel reading today, it's as if Jesus is quoting almost verbatim this beautiful hymn, an image of the vineyard in Isaiah chapter 5. And he's talking to the chief priests and elders of the people, saying, hear another parable. But I think maybe we can back up just for a quick moment to set the context, to set the stage. This is Holy Week, remember. He has just entered into Jerusalem, everybody waving palm branches, victory to Hosanna to the son of David. I mean, this is extraordinary. This is such a great moment. The son of David, the Messiah, is coming in to take his seat upon the throne, and they're crying out, victory to God, that he might come and establish his kingdom of peace and righteousness in this world. And so then what does he do? He goes to the temple, he ends up uh, cleansing the temple, turning over tables, driving all the, the money changers out and saying, what are you doing? This place, this temple is supposed to be a house of prayer for all peoples, but you made it a den of robbers, a den of thieves. And so the chief priests and the elders of the people are pretty upset, you know, shaking up their world. Jesus shaking up their world. So then he ends up going to Bethany, comes back, cursing the fig tree along the way. That's, a, that's another condemnation of the fact that Israel is not bearing fruit. Not bearing fruit. And so when Jesus goes back into the temple area to teach that day, guess who's waiting for him? <laughs> the chief priests and elders of the people. Because they're a little bit upset by this. Like, who does this guy think he is? This Galilean preacher, this itinerant rabbi. And he comes down here, like, thinking he owns the place? <laughs> They ask him, by what authority do you do such things? Now Jesus says, okay, well, I'll answer that if you answer me this question. Was the baptism of John of heavenly origin or from men? And so they kind of huddle up together and they're like, okay, well, if we say it's from heavenly origin, then Jesus is going to say, well, why didn't we believe him? But if we say if it's from human origin, then everybody's going to be upset because everybody thinks John the Baptist is a prophet, so, gosh, we're kind of stuck. So they say, well, we don't know. And Jesus is like, okay, well, I'm not going to answer your question then. But actually, he ends up answering the question. He ends up answering the question about the origin of John's baptism and our parable that we heard last weekend about the two sons. And I'm going to spare you the details and have it for the sake of time, but he eventually answers the question that John came to you by way of righteousness and you did not believe him. And even though sinners and tax collectors started to convert and come back, you didn't. The two sons, remember? Which one did his father's will? The one who said no first and then ended up going into the vineyard? Or the one who said yes and never actually entered into labor? Well, the one who actually did the work. So tax collectors or sinners are entering into the kingdom before you guys. So then Jesus moves immediately into this second parable. Here another parable. So as he's answered the question about the authority of John's baptism, now he's answering, I think, in an enigmatic way, the, the truth about his own authority. The landowner planting a vineyard. Remember the work of God, putting a hedge around it to guard and protect this, this beautiful gift, dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And then he leased it to tenants, gave a stewardship to people to take care of it. 
the chief priests and the elders, these stewards who are supposed to take care of, of this great vine so that it might bear fruit. But Jesus kind of tells the story of Israel, saying all these prophets came to you, all these servants of the Lord, of this landowner. And guess what happened? They seized them, beat them, killed them, stoned them. Even more numerous came, and they killed them all. These prophets of old, they dismissed them. They did not heed their word of repentance. Finally, the landowner says, they will respect my son. Whoa. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is the son of the father. Remember that word from John chapter 5. This is why the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also called God his father, making himself equal to God. He's revealing the mystery of his identity. But what authority do you do such things? But they end up saying, look, this is the heir. If we kill him, that means his inheritance is going to be up for grabs. And we're the squatters here. We're the, we're the ones who already tend the land. It's probably going to fall to us. Let's do this. So they seize him, throw him out, and kill him which is exactly what they do just a few days later. Remember, this is Holy Week. But he ends up checkmating them in a beautiful way by saying, what will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? So what do you think? And they say, they're going to put those wretched, he's going to put those wretched men to a wretched death. I mean, whoa, what a self-condemnation, you know? And then lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. This is exactly what's going to happen. That the power and authority that these chief priests and elders have, God takes away and gives it to others. Those who will actually tend to the vine and bear fruit. Therefore, I say to you, Jesus says, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. I mean, what? Oh, what a painful thing to hear will be taken away from you and will given, be given to someone else. And that's exactly what happens. Entrusted to the apostles, these lowly priests, these humble men, these guys, who just a couple days later at the Last Supper, Jesus tells a parable about a vine and bearing fruit. John chapter 15. And I'll finish with this. By this is my Father glorified, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. But how is it that we bear fruit? Jesus tells us. I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me, remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. But that our branch might abide in the vine, might be grafted into the vine, so that his sap, the, his own divine life might flow through us and bear much fruit, the fruit of righteousness and peace, these beautiful works of charity. But the secret is we have to abide in Jesus. Maybe we can ask that grace this week. Jesus, teach me how to abide in you. How is it that I don't remain in you? I really want to bear fruit. I want to bear that fruit that all that is true all that is honorable, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is gracious, 
all that is excellent and worthy of praise, that's what I want to live in my life. That's the fruit. Jesus, let it be so. So, as we approach this altar today to receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, the gift of his own heart, let us ask that we might abide in him, abide in the vine, and so that these fruits might be realized and we might indeed prove to be his disciples. Let us stand and profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the power of the Spirit, was incarnate to the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We worry about many things in this life. St. Paul tells us that there is no need to worry, but that we should ask God with prayer and thanksgiving for what we need. And so we entrust in these in our many petitions. For the Church of God, that the beloved vineyard of our Lord may produce its fruits for his glory, we pray to the Lord. For our beloved nation, that our elected representatives will let God be their guiding force, we pray to the Lord. For peacemakers, that their efforts will bring real peace in families, in countries and between nations, we pray to the Lord that all the sick will come to know recovery from illness and relief from pain, especially Joe Gerardo, Tino and Laura Manzarenas, and Lori McGee, Father Jason Wallace, and Clementine Wren. We pray to the Lord. For our deceased relatives, benefactors, and friends, that they may receive the kingdom prepared for them, especially Matthew Harry's. We pray to the Lord that the God of mercy will hear the prayers we now offer in the silence of our hearts. 
We pray to the Lord. Father, your son was a stone rejected. We accept him with thanksgiving and confidently bring these prayers to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Intention for this Mass is for Phil Etherton. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
Accept, O Lord, we pray, the sacrifices instituted by your commands, and through the sacred mysteries, which we celebrate with dutiful service, graciously complete the sanctifying work by which you are pleased to redeem us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God. For you so love the world that in your mercy you sent us the Redeemer to live like us in all things but sin, so that you might love in us what you loved in your Son by whose obedience we have been restored to those gifts of yours that by sinning we had lost in disobedience. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks as an exaltation we acclaim. Therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me.
Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis, our Pope, and Samuel, our Bishop, Jorge's assistant bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress. As we wait the blessed hope in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Sacrament 
Let us pray. Grant us, Almighty God, that we may be refreshed and nourished by the sacrament which we have received, so as to be transformed into what we consume through Christ our Lord. Amen. Got a couple of announcements this morning. So next weekend, we'll have a second collection for the retired and infirmed priests. And Father Brian will also be preaching on the stewardship of generosity. Also, please join Father Brian and our Respect Life Committee for a candlelight mass at Planned Parenthood in Stapleton, October 15th at 7 p.m. Uh, that Planned Parenthood is the third largest abortion facility in the nation. And so hope to see you there to pray well for that. And remember to vote yes on Proposition 115. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord.
and I will see. 